you have your copy of God's Word, let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, our launch point tonight will be verses 15 to, 21, uh, 15 to 20 of Ephesians chapter 5. As you're turning there, I had a great day yesterday. After running and doing yard work, I, it was the first Saturday of college football season, and it was awesome. And so one of the things I noticed just flipping around the games was everybody seemed to be singing. I mean, Tennessee kept scoring touchdowns, and they keep breaking out in that song, Rocky Top. Beginning of the Virginia Tech game, the students are bouncing up and down, and they're singing Inner Sandman. At the beginning of the Alabama game, they were swinging Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, it seemed like everybody was singing all the time in between the touchdowns and whatever else they were doing in the stands. It was so much singing. In the same way, as if you've been on social media at all and you're following our friend Lexi Johnston, you know that she has been posting clips for months of Taylor Swift. And one of the things about Taylor Swift concerts is there's 70,000, 80,000 people in those stands and everybody knows every word. They are singing along. Now, we might expect that at a concert. We might expect that at a football game. But have you ever asked why? Why do people sing? I mean, why do people sing? I think it's because singing is hardwired into us by a God who knows that our hearts respond not simply by speaking in monotone, not even by shouting. Our hearts respond to joy and pleasure and hope and excitement with singing. What this passage tells us is that God's good gift to us is under the control of the Holy Spirit, meant to do beautiful things for us as individuals, but especially us as God's people, if we learn to use singing as a spiritual discipline. But in order to see that together from this passage, we need the Holy Spirit's help. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we do come tonight here at the end of the Lord's day desiring to hear again from you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come that you would open our eyes of faith. But above all, Lord, we pray that you would grant us grace to see this gift you have given us, this discipline, this practice of singing, and help us to use it well. Grant us this grace, Lord, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 15. This is the NIV. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, Robert talked about corporate worship as a spiritual discipline. And there was some intentionality, or as I like to say, following Will Ferrell, there was some strategy in planning this series just this way by leading off with 
corporate worship. Because in our Presbyterian and Reformed tradition, the ordinary means of grace, of word, sacrament, and prayer, we believe God uniquely uses those means of grace in the context of corporate worship to rescue us from us, to save us, and to sanctify us. And so to to use corporate worship rightly as a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline has to be at the head of the list for us. If we're not using corporate worship, these ordinary means of grace of word, sacrament, and prayer, it's going to be very difficult for us to grow in grace. But, But we might think about corporate worship in relationship to tonight's topic of of singing and think wrongly about singing and worship in one of two directions. First, and, and far more common among our evangelical friends, is to view singing, especially in the context of our corporate gatherings, as the worship that precedes the sermon. I can't tell you how many times I've been at various events through the years and the music would be played just like we had tonight and the speaker would come up and say, wasn't that fabulous worship? Now let's open our Bibles. But of course, it's not just the singing that's worship. Everything that happens as we worship together from the call to worship to the benediction, everything in between is worship. It's part of our offering to God our praise, our thanksgiving, our supplication, our reception from him, it's covenant renewal. It's all together worship. But there's another misunderstanding, and I think it's in reaction to it, and particularly in our circles, in Presbyterian and Reformed circles. Namely, we, we might so prioritize preaching that we really don't understand the role of singing in corporate worship, and by extension then in the Christian life. All too often, it's the case, and and James can certainly attest to this from his experience. I can attest to it from my experience. All too often the case in our circles where there's there's not much thought given to the structure of the service, uh, the choice of the hymns and connecting to the sermon, uh, the way that the service should be shaped so that we learn as we sing praise to God and, and words of exhortation to each other, we we, we don't learn well because we don't think well about the strategy of our singing. And because we don't think well about the strategy of our singing in our corporate worship, no wonder that congregants don't think well about singing as a means of grace in their lives, as a discipline for the Christian life. And so tonight, what I want to suggest to you is, is this single idea, and then we're going to flesh it out around four questions. Uh, singing is a vital spiritual discipline. It is a vital spiritual practice, one that God uses to get more room in your soul. It's a Bible-based form of prayer as we sing praise and thanksgiving to God and a Bible-based means of exhortation and encouragement to each other. Let me say that again. Singing is a vital spiritual practice or discipline. It's one that God uses to get more space for himself and our souls. It's a Bible-based form of prayer as we praise and thank our God. And it's a Bible-based means of exhortation and encouragement to each other. That's how the Apostle Paul talks about singing here in this passage that we've just read together. And it's how the rest of Holy Scripture talks about singing more generally. And so... To get our hands around this idea, 
that singing is a spiritual discipline, it's a spiritual practice, we need to ask four questions. Why, what, when, and how we should sing. Why, what, when, and how we should sing. So first, why? Why should we sing? I think the Bible gives us four reasons why we should sing. Why we should use singing as a spiritual discipline, as a spiritual practice. First, singing is commanded. The Old Testament Psalms especially are filled with exhortation and commands to sing praise to God. For example, Psalm 9 verse 11, sing praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. Psalm 30 verse 4, sing the praises of the Lord, you faithful people. Praise his holy name. Psalm 47, verse 6, which we heard in our call to worship. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises, and so forth. You cannot read the Psalms without the clear recognition that we are called and exhorted and commanded to sing. But second, why should we sing? The commanded singing is a response And especially singing is a response to the character and work of our God. We sing in response to who God is, in response to his character. And so the Psalms teach us, Psalm 47, verse 7, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. So because God is sovereign, because he bears that character, we sing praise to him in response to that. Psalm 59, verse 16, I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. And so because God is strong, because he is mighty, and because he is a God of steadfast love, in response to who God is, we sing praise. But we also sing in response to what God has done. We we sing in response to his work. So Psalm 51, verse 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness because God has delivered us, because God has saved us. He's our Savior. We sing. We sing in response to his work. Psalm 63, verse 7, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings because you've helped me, God. Because you've delivered me in response to what you've done for me, I sing. And so we sing in response. Yes, it's commanded, but we sing in response to who God is and what he's done, in response to his character and work. Now, here's one thing to observe as you read the Bible. When God is on the move, demonstrating his sovereign, steadfast love and the redemption of his people, what do you most often find in the Bible? Singing. God's people can't help but break out in song. What happens after, at the end of the Exodus, after the the old people, people of God come across the Red Sea? What do they do? Do they preach a sermon? Do they take a collection? No, they break out in song. Exodus 15, the song of Moses. And this song is taught to God's people. The horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. When you come to Acts... And the the angels start showing up and the the time has come for the Messiah to be born. It's like an opera. Mary sings, Zachariah sings, Angel sings, Simeon sings. Everybody seems to be singing. When you come to Revelation, 
what you seem to have is this big Broadway production with songs and set pieces set in heaven and earth and hell. Why? Because God is on the move, bringing about the redemption of his people that will lead all the way to the new heavens and the new earth. Don't you see? The Bible itself teaches us that we sing in response. In response to God's character, yes, but especially in response to his work. But why else do we sing? We sing because it's commanded. We sing in response. But, but singing is also an evidence. It's an evidence of God's work in us. I think that's especially Paul's point here in this passage in Ephesians 5. The evidence of God's work in us, of, of, of the divine infilling, of his divine control by the Spirit is what? What's singing? In the same way that evidence of control by alcohol is debauchery, so evidence of control by the Spirit is singing. Did you see that? Look again. Verse 18, chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with, on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, comma, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so how do you know that God's at work? How do you know that the Spirit is in control of your life? Well, one evidence is, is we delight to sing. That's what Paul tells us. But there's a final reason why we should sing. It's, it's this, singing is a gift to us. When we're happy, how do we react? Well, the Bible tells us in James chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And when we're struggling, when we're afflicted, depressed, oppressed, how might we react? Well, we can sing. We can sing songs of lament, songs that our ancestors in this area of the country called the blues. Again, the Bible teaches us this. Psalm 88 gives us words to sing. Darkness, the psalmist says, darkness is my only friend. Psalm 137 gives us words to sing. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. You see, God has made us in such a way that, that singing is not just commanded or response or, or even evidence. It's a gift for us. It's a gift for us to use and to practice that God might gain more room in our hearts and souls, more of our minds, more of us. So that's why. What should we sing? Again, our, our, our passage tells us, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Your Bible probably says, and spiritual songs. Now, I think it's likely that these terms are all intended to, to cover the, the different kinds of singing that went on in worship, but, but they especially point us to songs that drew from God's word and pointed us to Jesus. They are songs that cause, as Paul will say in Colossians 3, the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. And sometimes songs are, are a better way for God's word to get into our hearts. My friend, Kevin Twitt, who's the, 
RUF campus minister at, at Belmont University. Of course, you know, he started Indelible Grace, the whole retuned hymn movement in our denomination. He, he shared a quote with me this past week from William Cooper. William Cooper was a friend of John Newton. Together, they wrote the so-called only hymns. We have a number of Cooper hymns in our hymnal. Um, Cooper said this. He said, I might have preached more sermons than Bishop Tillotson. Bishop Tillotson was a famous preacher of the day. I might have preached more sermons than Bishop Tillotson, and the world would have been fast asleep. Tell me about it. I've been putting people to sleep for the last 20 years. But, he goes on, a volume of verse is a fiddle that puts the whole universe in motion. A volume of verse is a fiddle that puts the whole universe in motion, especially, especially the verses that we sing as we sing a range of songs that take us over and again to the God who has come to us in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament Psalms certainly do this, which is why over the last several years, we've been trying to sing more Psalms on Sunday morning in corporate worship. Saints have sung the Psalms for three millennia, and there's a reason why. They point us over and again to God, to his goodness, to his grace, to his Messiah. But other songs do this as well. I've often said that for us Presbyterians, our prayer book is our hymnal. Uh, the Episcopalians have their book of common prayer. We have our hymnal, which means you should own a Trinity hymnal and make sure each one of your kids has their own hymnal as well. You should sing from it regularly outside of corporate worship, whether you use the tunes in the book or whether you new, use new tunes from our friends at Indelible Grace or other tunes beside. But these, these songs, these hymns, these new songs, these things we're thankful for, some of which we sang tonight, songs from people like the Gettys and Gam Kendrick, Graham Kendrick and Matt Boswell, Chris Tomlin, others, we, we sing these as well, but they're, they're songs that cause God's word to dwell in us, that lead us to Jesus, that, that make much of his character and work. These are the songs we should sing. So why should we sing? We've answered that question. What should we sing? Paul says, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Where? That's the third question. Where should we sing? Well, all sorts of places. Yes, even the shower. But two especially... We should sing, first of all, in our hearts. Now, the NIV here has it that we, we make music from your heart to the Lord. But those of us who grew up on the old King James Version, we remember this portion of the verse as making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I think that's proper too, to have a song in our hearts, one that reminds us of God in Christ, is a good grace to sing our sad songs our laments to the Lord in our hearts, that too is a proper and good grace. So it's right for us to sing in our hearts, but our singing should not remain private. We should sing with others. And that's certainly what Paul has in mind here. Again, you see it in verse 19, speaking to one another, how? With psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit or spiritual songs. Speaking to one another. When, when we sing, we, we certainly offer Bible-based praise to God, but we also offer Bible-based encouragement and exhortation to each other. To hear you sing these truths that we sang tonight stirs my heart 
I know that I'm not alone, that I'm not a fool for believing in Jesus, not a fool for walking in his way, seeking his will, following his word. I'm not a fool because you've sang the truth to me. And in the same way, I've sung the truth to you. We have sung to each other Bible-based exhortations and encouragements. And so in those moments of doubting, we can come and we can say in our hearts, no, I'm not a fool. I'm part of a singing army who believes even when I doubt. I'm part of a singing army that wages war even when I'm tempted to run to the back of the lines. It very may well be that the songs you sang tonight from your hearts, from your souls, were the very thing that some struggling saint in here needed to hear. They needed to hear you sing, to sing those truths that point to Jesus so that they could grasp it. They didn't need to hear themselves sing. They needed to hear you sing, speaking God's truth to their hearts through your song. Which all brings us to the final question. Why? What? Where? How should we sing? Well, again, ever so briefly, I think there's at least four ways uh, that should characterize our singing. And the first is this. We should sing regularly. Now, if the only singing you do is week by week in our corporate worship, that counts as regularly. But, but I would hope that you would sing as a spiritual practice even more regularly. Get a hymnal. Keep it by your Bible. And before you read your passage for the day, pick up the hymnal and just work your way through it. Start with song one. You know that one, by the way. Uh, all creatures that on earth do dwell. You know that one. But each day, try to sing the next hymn. If you don't know it, that's okay. Skip it. But if you know, can kind of figure out the meter and you, you hear a tune that might work, sing that. If you can't sing it at all, read the words out loud. But what you'll find is that this is a great way to, to sing to God in such a way that God begins to tune your heart towards him. Sing regularly. But, but secondly, we should sing mindfully. Don't let your mind wander when you sing, especially in corporate worship. Now listen, we all do that. Um, I'll stand there at the 11, 30, 11 o'clock service and we're singing the hymns and I say, wait, did we sing this at 830? Well, yeah, duh, I was at both services. I was the one with James who planned this service. We sang that. So I get it. Sometimes our minds wander. But, but discipline yourself not to let your mind wander. Discipline yourself to, to pay attention. Pay attention to what you're singing. Pay attention to the words. Pay attention to the tune. Pay attention to the voices around you. Pay attention. Sing mindfully. But third, we should sing passionately. And by this, I, I mean what I think Paul is getting at here when the NIV has this as sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Don't just sing in some sort of robot fashion with your mind disconnected from your heart. You'll, you'll get some benefit, but not all of the benefit that God wants you to have as you sing. Rather, as, as you are mindful of what you're singing Sing as though these are the most important words you can say right now. Words like, heal us. Emmanuel, here we are. We long to feel your touch. Or, fairest Lord Jesus, Lord of the nations, Son of God, Son of man. Or, but then there breaks 
a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. The king of glory passes on his way. Hallelujah. Now, can you actually sing those words half-heartedly? Would you dare to sing them half-heartedly? No, we sing passionately. But finally, we should sing purposefully. Singing is a spiritual practice in which God gets room in our souls. And so sing with that purpose. Ask God to use the songs that we sing. As if you look at the bulletin, the worship booklet is posted every Friday night. If you look at the songs on Sunday morning, for Sunday morning, ask God to use our singing to get more room in your soul. As you come tonight, before we begin singing, it's great to visit, but it's also great to begin to pray, Lord, use these songs to get more room in my soul. Do your work in, in my heart. Ask God, too, that, so, to use the songs that you sing, that we sing, to draw us closer to each other as we draw nearer to him. To have that as a purpose as we sing. And, and if we ask God to do that, he'll do it. He'll do it because he desires for us to, to know a yet more perfect harmony through our singing. We know the song is by the world of Coke, but it was a jingle that was actually played over an iconic 1971 commercial for Coca-Cola. Um, the song was so popular that it was later rewritten. The language about Coca-Cola was taken out. And it, it did so well that it actually was the only top 10 hit for the now forgotten group, The New Seekers. It actually charted number seven on the Billboard Top 100. There was a reason why. It's because both the song and, and the commercial, it expressed a deep-hearted wish. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to, to hold it in my arms and keep it company. Now, coming out of the late 1960s and early 1970s, um, with uh, the assassination of Dr. King, the assassination of Bobby Kennedy, the riots at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago, uh, the bombing of Cambodia during the Vietnam War, a year after the song comes out, Watergate, was it likely that we were going to hold one another in perfect harmony and keep each other company? But for those of us in Christ... When we sing, that's exactly what happens. For when we sing Bible-based words of praise and thanksgiving to God and Bible-based words of exhortation and encouragement to each other, what we find is that the Spirit does His work. And in a strange way, He not only tunes our hearts to God, He tunes our hearts to each other so that we leave our singing and indeed all of our worship in a more perfect harmony, which is why we must use singing as a spiritual practice, as a spiritual discipline that God's given us for our good and his glory. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we bless you that, that you've given us something so delightful as singing. Indeed, you've hardwired us as us human beings, to sing. We can't help but sing. We sing at football games and soccer matches. We sing at concerts. We sing to our future spouses. We, we can't help but sing. But Holy Spirit, you desire to use our song to get more room in our soul. And so, Lord, this night, as we close by singing...
we pray that you would tune our hearts to you and to each other in such a way that we will leave singing hallelujah. Grant us this grace, Lord, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.